2: You're listening
3: to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. The college football playoffs, which get underway Saturday at 4 Eastern time. It'll be Notre Dame and Clemson. And right now on pregame.com, Clemson is a 12.5 point favorite.
4: Okay, Brad Powers, all the college knowledge. Here's what we're going to do. Not about picks. We'll get there at the end, perhaps. Let's break down what factors matter. If you're watching the game, if you're betting the game, what's the one factor that's going to dictate how this game is played.
5: I'm looking at Clemson's defense, which is supposed to be the ultimate strength, the best unit on the field in this game. And I have some question marks. Number one, Clemson benefited from playing a very weak ACC schedule this year. But when Clemson stepped outside, played a couple of SEC teams, not great offenses in Texas A&M and South Carolina, averaged above average offenses. What did Clemson's vaunted defense do in those two games? give up 500 yards to AM, almost lost the game, and gave up 600 yards and 35 points to South Carolina. Even though it's the best unit on the field, questions remain f- for Clemson's defense.
4: Okay, now when you say Clemson played in a relatively easy schedule, is that in general offense, defense of the opponents considered, or especially when it comes to the offenses they played? And oh, by the way, my understanding is, and again, I'm an amateur at the, on the college side. That's why we bring the experts in. Clemson's weakness, if they have any, and I think they do on D, is
5: against the pass. Yep. So how many really good passing teams have Clemson played? Not many. Uh, maybe two or three. Two of the games being the couple games they struggled against, Kellen Mon of AM and Jake Bentley of South Carolina, above average to good quarterbacks. The only other one good quarterback they faced for the most part, was the Syracuse quarterback Eric Dungy. and in that game, Clemson barely won that game outright. So,
4: is Notre Dame the best passing team they faced?
5: I've, Notre Dame is the best passing team. From you take a look at the the advantages that Notre Dame has: a wide receiver and a quarterback, and Ian Book, that's in the top five in the country in completion percentage. This will be the best passing offense they faced all year so far.
4: Okay, now let's break down what neutral field means. So, this is a true neutral.
5: Yep, it's in Arlington, Texas. I do expect to ha- to see Notre Dame have a little bit more crowd support.
4: But, yeah, we're talking quarter point or exactly. whatever. All right, so let's call it a true neutral. So if this game were in Clemson, the line would be 16, 16 and a half <laughs> That's what the current market would have it. Well, yeah, that's what we're saying. Yeah. That's what yeah. the line's saying. So my question is this. Has Clemson played any team... Like, who's the best team, do you think, Clemson? Because we've already kind of decided the Notre Dame offense matches up pretty well against the Clemson D. So now the question is, well, just fundamentally are the teams that disparate so that they'd be like a 17-point favorite? Who is the best team that Clemson's played? Texas A&M. And where was that game at?
5: It was at College Station.
4: All right. So, and what was the line?
5: Clemson was a 12-point favorite.
4: Okay. So, Now, was this early, mid-year before A&M really emerged? Week two. Okay, okay. So they wouldn't have been a 12-point favorite if they played, let's say, the last week of the year.
5: No, it would be like nine at College Station now, I would say. Because I guess the point I'm making is,
4: (laughs) I guess the point I'm making, we've got our producer Mackie doing calisthenics, like right in the window there. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's (laughs) (laughs) got to get it in when you can. I I know colonizes day off, but come (laughs) on, you're not. He's doing squat thrusts. I think (laughs) I'm RJ Bell. This is straight out of Vegas. All right. So I guess what I'm saying is, why is this line what it is? This just feels like you're going to look at it and say, "Wow, Notre Dame's one of the four best teams. They're Clemson's not Alabama. How are they getting so many points?" That's kind of level one. That's the Freddie fanny pack. Level two is, well, wait a minute. Notre Dame isn't very good. It's just because they're Notre Dame. They've had an easy schedule. But I think there's level three, which is, wow, this ain't the same Notre Dame team that's been dominated when they end up playing the best team like Bama, Notre Dame, Notre Dame five, six years ago.
5: And and I think you just hit the nail on the head. A lot of times you don't find value in these big type of games because they're the isolated games at the end of the year and the market should be right, unless there's something wrong with the media narrative. And if you go to any, whether it be ESPN, Fox, or whatever... Half the questions this week surrounding Notre Dame was comparing Notre Dame to the 2012 team. If you watched Brian Kelly's press conference, nearly half the questions: How does this team compare to 2012? To me, that's the wrong media narrative. This I'm the only guy left from 2012. Is Brian Kelly the head coach? Completely different coaching staff. Notre Dame's upgraded. They're much more balanced offensively and defensively. That's what's getting it wrong. Everyone's talking Ah Notre Dame in the
2: big stage. Yeah.
5: They
4: stink. So Fez, you I heard you kind of <laughs> saying the same thing. Have you recanted?
2: I have have recanted. I think I fell into the trap of the ghosts of Irish past. Recent history where they have fairly recent history where they failed in all these big games. We all remember that. And oftentimes Alabama. they were
4: getting in bowl games. They didn't
2: deserve to get in. And exactly. exactly. The, rep, the reputation got them in versus this year. They truly had the resume where oh, they, they were they, worthy. You can't
4: even debate that they should be in. Right? Another,
2: another reason I really like Notre Dame is think about the end of the year. They had to fly to LA. They had to fly to San Diego. They had to fly to New York. And they they didn't have a hiccup other than the, the USC game where they struggled a little bit. Whole lot of travel and they handled it massively.
4: How many how many true home games did Notre Dame have? Six Tr- true home games. I think six or seven. That's all. I'm I'm saying I think less.
5: No no no. They had-
4: because they had a bunch of neutrals right Were all the neutrals their aways,
5: and they had three true road road games. So that that's the big thing. They only only had-
2: one of their last five was home against Florida State.
5: Okay, maybe that's
4: what
2: I yeah, was saying. Yeah, that's th- what. Most uh, of their home games were early. Five of their
5: first six games were at home.
4: Okay, so let's wrap this up, and we're going to find out, are you guys betting it? Is To me, it strikes me that if maybe if the matchups were even, no matchup advantage other than just the true strength of the teams, I'd say this is a little expensive, just a little bit. I think you add in that Notre Dame can pass, and that's a problem for Clemson. I think you're looking at real value on Notre Dame here plus 13 is that you
5: can still get it out there Yeah you can find 13 majority of the lines have it 12 and a half though All
4: right so Brad Powers are you betting Notre Dame I am betting Notre Dame
5: in this game
2: Fez I am also betting Notre Dame
4: Can't get any clearer than that the only thing that would make this a stronger pick is if Jonas said he liked Clemson.
3: Jonas? <laughs> I mean, if it's best for the show, I'll take Clemson. You know? I'll throw what's myself your, under the what's bus. Your, what's your gut thought? I would take Notre Dame. Uh, that oh, many points for a I quality team. I still like team. it. I still like Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. So we know it, every Saturday night when, there, when there's a big enough matchup, and there is a big enough matchup, is you've got Alabama and you've got Oklahoma and it's in Miami and the Crimson Tide are a 14-point favorite. That means that on certain occasions – It's time for this.
2: And action. Time to get some Saturday night action in.
5: All right, Brad. Same style. Number one factor in this game, Bama by fourteen. Number one factor for me is yet I think there's another media narrative that's wrong, and the media narrative that's out there is Alabama defensively struggles always with dual threat quarterbacks. Yes, that's been the case for a majority of the Nick Saban era. So
4: run pass Johnny Football style kind of problem. Yep. And now, he- has that changed? Because we know it's what he's obsessed over Saban in the off seasons for multiple years.
5: Here's what's changed significantly this year. Alabama in past year struggled with it. Why? They didn't get to see it in practice. You got a statue in A.J. McCarron and Greg McElroy quarterback, and you've had some run-first quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts the last couple of years. This year, this year is the first year, Alabama has seen a true dual-threat quarterback every single day in practice. Therefore, my expectation is they're going to be better equipped to defend it. Ooh, that's interesting. All right, so that lends it to say
4: Bama, but boy, this is expensive. So maybe let's get your pick and then
5: we can reverse engineer it. Right now, lean or like on this one. I do lean with Alabama minus the 14.
4: Okay. Because to me, what worries me is the idea that, that Oklahoma is the ultimate backdoor team. Meaning, let's say there's seven minutes left and Oklahoma is down 28 or 27. I mean, are, are you even, you know, doesn't Oklahoma even have a 30% chance to come back with two late touchdowns? So I guess the question is, how does a team truly get margin? The only way to get margin is stops. Is, is will Bama be able to stop Oklahoma enough to get margin?
5: I think they can because the other main factor for me is one of Oklahoma's best weapons, their wide receiver, Hollywood Brown, probably the, the, I would say one of the fastest players in the country, maybe the best deep threat in all of college football He's going to play. And it's reflected in the line. He's fine. He's going to play. Is he fine though? He suffered a relatively bad leg injury in the final game, the big 12 championship game. If he's 80% and it's a leg injury, he might be taking away one of his uh, biggest advantages, which is his speed.
4: So he, 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 them, them. We're talking Hollywood Brown
5: for Oklahoma, wide receiver.
4: All right, so, but really, where do you move the line for? Let's say he was out. Is it even a half point? Oh, at least a half point. Okay, and you're saying hobbled. Hobbled. Okay, Fez, what's your thoughts?
2: I'm worried about Tua. He's 85% according to himself in terms of his health. And you talked about it, RJ. If we're going to bet Alabama, we want Alabama to get up by more than 21. But what's going to happen if Bama gets up 21 and Tua's at 85%? All of a sudden going to have to play in that championship game. Maybe Alabama goes vanilla, goes conservative, doesn't want to get too a hurt, and the back door might right, swing so, open. So let's
4: be clear. So vanilla implies not showing schematic stuff. Saban had – I can promise you Saban's already game-planned, Clemson. He's already – so my thought is he might show things now that's going to trick the opponent. He's that next-level chess player, Saban. So I wouldn't think vanilla if they get up big. I think – taking the air out of the ball and getting conservative, lowering the number of possessions so Tua uh, and making those possessions less dangerous physically because what's the most dangerous thing? Not handing the ball off. It's third and twelves where you're not throwing on the third step drop. So, so you're saying if Bama gets up significantly because Tua is banged up Bama gets conservative with her play calling, and it might allow an Oklahoma backdoor.
2: Correct, because Tua probably won't be running the ball nearly as much as he would if the game was on the line.
4: I tell you, guys, here's the most important thing. Last thing is most important. R.J. Bell straight out of Vegas. You you can only make money betting if the line is wrong. It's almost impossible that the line's going to be wrong two out of two games. Meaning, oh, the line really should be 17 here. Or, oh, it should really be 10. You know, that's extreme, maybe 11 and 16. Okay, I don't think it's wrong. I think the line's probably about, could you really think 11? I would race to the window. You give me 17, I'd race to the window. The fact it's in that corridor, kind of – now, I could see you make the case Clemson should only be 10. Like, I think that's – I'm not saying that's – I'm saying that case could be made, thus probably at 13 there's value on Notre Dame. I think the line's probably right in the Alabama game. So if you're betting for fun, have some fun. But if you're betting for profit, the line's got to be wrong. And just because there's two TV games, just because there's Saturday night action, doesn't mean it's wrong. Last word, Brett.
5: Yeah, and we haven't seen any line movement in the Oklahoma-Alabama game. Open 14, we have had a month of betting action, and it's uh, still 14.
4: Sign the line's right.
2: Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
3: Guys, there is an interesting topic this weekend in the NFL, and it it comes to betting on Week 17. A lot of variables out there. Who's playing for what? Who's sitting? Who's not? RJ, what is the Vegas perspective on how to handle wagering and betting in Week 17?
4: This is pro-secret type stuff here. And we talked about motivation. And quickly, let's review that one more time. Home teams, they don't have anything to play for, tend to play harder. And the stats back that up, the history. Also, teams on a losing streak because they don't want to finish the year losing that third, that fourth game. Carolina is a team on a long losing streak. They'd be very motivated to get a win to end the year. Finally, also Carolina is division. If you got one team that has something clearly to play for. Now, in this case, you don't in the Saints. But the other team, you're wondering, what are they playing for? Well, if it's in division, they not only want to win that game, but they want to be spoiler, right? Play spoiler like Cincinnati, obviously, would be an example of that. Okay. But, Fez, you are a master of derivatives, of the kind of bets that the average batter doesn't make, but the professional batter, well, that better he does.
1: In all the five boroughs, I'm known.
4: I'm known all over the world. That's Fez, and a lot of that has to do with your derivative betting. To me, I think Week 17 offers such a big opportunity. Why? Because of the scoreboard watching and the way one game can affect another game, and it be something you bet into parlays, into two-teamers, three-teamers, figuring if one thing happens, the chance goes up. That the other thing happens now. In years past, you could actually bet these parlays where one was a some of the games were a one o'clock start, some were a four o'clock Eastern start, and boy oh boy, it was like you really had the correlation. Here, it's not as obvious, but it's about scoreboard watching. So, in general, how do you, as a professional batter, NFL expert Steve Fezik, approach? the correlations and scoreboard watching in week seventeen.
2: Yeah, well I try to look at the team that has the most to gain from another team losing. So let's look at the Chargers for instance. They could still become the number one seed if Kansas City loses, they can win the division, but Casey has to lose. So we know the Chargers are going to be looking up at the scoreboard with Kansas City. If Kansas City's up twenty one to nothing at halftime, the natural reaction for if I'm the Chargers, deflation, hey our game really doesn't mean maybe anything. start
4: sitting some guys. Okay, and if you look at the number, though, hey, the Chargers are a big favorite. It really doesn't seem to be built into the number that some of these bigger favorites, Chargers are a good example, could be deflated.
2: Exactly right, because right now they've got something to play for, but by halftime it might be clear that they don't.
4: So now you can say, okay, figure out, let's use the Chargers and Kansas City as an example. Figure out which of those four teams those two and their opponents, you like as a pick the best. Let's just say you think Kansas City is going to roll. Like, you really feel it. Okay, maybe you bet Kansas City to cover the big number. Or maybe you bet Kansas City to cover the big number in a two-team parlay with Denver figuring if Kansas City wins, and in a two-teamer, if Kansas City doesn't win, your second pick doesn't even matter. If Kansas City wins and covers – then the chance of the Chargers winning goes down. That's the chance of Denver winning slash covering, more covering, goes up. Why? Because of that deflation effect. So a big chunk of the time you cover the spread with Kansas City, I think you increase the chance of Denver covering. Agree.
2: Agree. And if you want an even bigger edge, Kansas City first half minus eight, Parlayed to Denver because that way the Chargers will look up at a scoreboard that has KC way up at halftime.
4: Now that might be a little too complicated for <laughs> national radio, but if it's not, take advantage of it.
2: Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.